Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Good morning to you as we welcome you along to the Good Friday edition of the programme. And it was with great sadness this morning that I woke up to hear the news at seven o'clock this morning of the senseless loss of life of the young journalist in Derry, uh, Lara McKee, shot dead during riots that were going on in the Craigan area of uh, Derry. I just, you know, it just struck me that it was good because it was Good Friday. And where are we at? The 21st anniversary of the signing of the Good Friday Agreement. Do you know, at a time when, you know, the majority, the vast majority of people on this island want nothing else but peace and reconciliation, want an end to violence. We had an end to violence. And then you you look at the scenes that were coming out of Derry last night and you thought, oh no, are we going back to these awful days? And then a young journalist goes along to report on what's happening and she uh, was uh, shot. She was uh, Lyra McKee. 29-year-old, she was wounded at the riots. She was taken away by the police to Othnigevel Hospital. But unfortunately, she died a short time uh, afterwards. Now, the PSNI are saying they are calling it a terrorist act. They believe it had been carried out by violent dissident Republicans. And their assessment at this time uh, is that it's the new IRA are most likely to be the ones behind this um, it's understood that, that Lyra McKee had only recently moved to Derry to live with her partner because, of course, she grew up in uh, Belfast. She She's worked as an editor for the Californian-based news site Media Gazer, which is a trade publication which covers the media industry. But in 2016, Forbes magazine actually named Lyra McKee as one of their 30 under 30 in media. And she'd been working on a book which was due to be published next year. And the book, which is called Lost Boys, it was to do with young men uh, and young people who, whose lives have been lost during the uh, Troubles. And she was really at the, the start, I suppose, of her journalistic career, but she was really starting uh, to make inroads. She first rose to prominence in 2014 when she wrote, there was a, a blog post called Letter to My 14-Year-Old Self and she'd wrote about the struggle of growing up gay in Belfast and in the five years since that letter was turned into a short film. Then she became a published author. She wrote a book called Angels with Blue Faces and then she'd recently signed a two-book deal with Faber and uh, uh, Faber and Faber uh, of which one of the books The Lost Boys uh, was due to be published next uh, year. It's just so, so sad and as, and as I just said it's just it's the senseless loss of life and you, nobody wants to go back 
to the troubles and that kind of waking up in the morning to hearing, you know, overnight troubles in Belfast or overnight riots in Derry and loss of life. And we almost in the South at one stage became immune to it because there just seemed to be so many of these senseless de- deaths. And it was just when I heard it this morning, it was just like, it was a kind of a jolt I got when I heard that somebody had been shot and had died in Derry. I was thinking, you know, it was it, it was just it was just like a bolt. It was just it was like a reality check going this is what this is what it could be like again and there are a whole generation of young people who don't remember the troubles thankfully don't remember the troubles both down here in the south and up in the north and it was one of the things I think when Derry Girls became so popular you know the generation of younger people who don't remember the troubles got it kind of a little bit in a quirky way but an insight into the troubles through Derry Girls and some of the questions that you know young people even young people in their 20s were asking about the troubles from Derry Girls because then you realise of course yeah if you're in your 20s you don't remember We've, we've, you know, 21 years of the Good Friday Agreement. There's been 21 years of peace in Northern Ireland. So, you know, there's, a, there's generations have grown up not knowing it. And then just to hear it this morning, it just brought me back. And I thought, oh, no. And with everything that's going on with Brexit and the border and there will be some dissidents who will use Brexit and a hard border if God forbid there was a hard border they will use it to return to the troubles and nobody but nobody uh, wants that so an absolutely senseless loss of life of a young journalist Um, may she be forever remembered Lyra McKee and may she rest in a peace. 1850 John Paul taking your calls this morning. If there's anything you want to share with us, if you want to text, you can. We'd love to hear from you. Or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can already see a text that has come into us saying, Patricia, would you please ask whoever is in charge of putting up and taking down the flood barriers in Formoy to please take down the section at the rowing club. There are bookings from French visitors today and we've already had to send other tourists away yesterday. It is the Easter weekend and they've forgotten about the wheelie boat again. Now, I'm open to correction, but I'm assuming the council, nobody at the council offices are working today. So I don't know, they're not, so I don't know who John Paul, unless we can get on to one of the councillors. Um, okay, John Paul's going to try and get on to one of the councillors on their mobile and we'll see if we can find out who is responsible because there are so many places... So many places open. Let me start with that first. There's so many places open today because I was talking uh, with um, my son actually earlier this morning and he has a a shop up in in Clamel. And I said to him straight away, are you open today? And he said, for God's sake, Mother, you're the same as everybody else. We are open today. Everyone's open today. He was saying all of the the retail outlets are are open. But he said the amount of people all week are going, are you open Good Friday? Are you open Good Friday? There's still so much confusion about Good Friday. There's also so much confusion even within businesses as to for employers versus employees. Are you entitled to the day off? Is it a bank holiday? Do you need to book a day's uh, holiday? So the problem that we have is there are places open, but there are also places closed. And we found out yesterday because we had calls in, for example, the post offices. None of the post offices are open today. So people were going yesterday to collect their uh, pensions. None of the banks obviously are open today 
I don't know about the credit union so if somebody wants to confirm are the credit unions open today or not do they fall in with the rest of the financial institution seems to have closed certainly all of the council offices are closed and the council uh, workers are not working we do know pubs are open today but again not all pubs are open today some pubs are opting to uh, remain closed so it's a little bit of there's still a lot of confusion but I suppose that goes back to the day when everything used to close. I mean, I I remember when I was, was growing up, it was nothing opened on Good Friday. And I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean, the corner shop where we had two corner shops, one up the hill, one down the hill, both of them closed. So you had to have stocked up on your milk and bread uh, the day before. Obviously, all the pubs uh, were closed. The only thing, the only places that was opened on Good Friday was the churches. You went to the stations at 12 or the stations at 3 uh, and that was it. Even the TV, my memories of the TV growing up, that it was all religious programmes and certainly as a child there was this anticipation that it seemed like the longest day of the year. Was it ever going to be over? You know, you were still, Lent was still there. You were still off sweets and chocolates and crisps and things and you were waiting for the Easter bunny well we don't have the Easter bunny but suddenly you were waiting for your, you were waiting for the Easter egg on, um, Easter, on Easter Sunday so times are very very different so I suppose there's still an amount of confusion whereas there are people that still remember when everything used to close and because you will have some businesses opening and some business closing I think that's what adds to the confusion so anyway I I digress we'll try and find out what's going on with that flood barrier and why it hasn't been taken uh, taken down. Now coming up on the programme in a couple of minutes I'm going to be joined in studio by Evelyn Brown along with her beautiful little daughter Anna we're getting an update on Anna and people will remember actually it was only this time last year it wasn't that long ago we were in the throes of fundraising for Anna's Dream to Dance which I thought was one of the most beautifully named and aptly named campaigns for a little girl who had very severe mobility issues that were only going to get worse unless she had life-altering surgery. And in order for her to get the life-altering surgery, she had to go to America. And obviously that costs a lot of money. And the family couldn't travel until they had all of the money collected. So the fundraising campaign got underway. And by God, were people generous uh, to this little girl. I mean, obviously family and friends, but complete strangers rode in and helped out and supported uh, the Brown family so that Anna could have her dream to dance. She is weeks away from making her first Holy Communion. So she's going to be joining us in studio. There's a bit of a dilemma over the shoes. Every little girl has to have a dilemma over her communion shoes. So we'll be talking about that on the programme today. And then we'll stay while that fundraising campaign is over. There's another fundraising campaign in the North Cork um, area that's underway only within the last month. And this is a fundraising campaign we spoke about last uh, month for Helena Ryan, who is a young mum from Donnerell. She's got uh, two little ones, they're four and two, they really are smallies. And her cancer has returned. And herself and her husband were in the process of building their own home uh, when the cancer returned. And obviously, all the focus goes on treatment and on a cure and trying to get Helena better. So the house and the building of the house had to be put on the back burner and they've been living in a mobile home on the site and that's not very conducive for the treatment that Helena is going through. So a campaign has started to get the house finished. 
and the response has been really incredible in the Donnerail and surrounding areas. Again, the generosity of people. I suppose when we hear of any of these stories, we think, you know, there but for the grace of God, go any of us, you know, and that anything we can do to help out and particularly to help out one of our own. There's something really special, I think, about helping out uh, of one of our own, of our own, you know, a young Cork mother. So we're going to get an update as to how the fundraising campaign is going. And I'm also really interested to see has there been any progress with the house? Because when we last spoke about it, we heard the tradesmen were coming on board to say, you know, let's all get, get stuck in, kind of do a DIY SOS. Let's see if we can get the house complete. So we'll get an update on that. Um, after 11 today, we're going to be speaking uh, about how you would deal with a teenage son or daughter coming home and announcing, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm going vegan. There's that initial panic of, oh, my God, they will, they will they get all the nutrients that they need in a plant, plant-based diet. They'll be constantly sick. They'll be picking up bugs left, right and centre. Or you'll go through the dilemma of if they're really adamant that they're going to try out veganism or they're going to become vegans what am I going to cook for them so a guy by the name of Jacques Brennan has put together a book called The Hungry Soul The Healthy Soul I can't remember the name of the book I can't read about anyway he has put a book together and it's it's 100% vegan and it is it's a cookbook but it's a lot more than a cookbook it's a kind of a manual and the do's and the don'ts and the rules and the regulations if you do decide to go vegan but what I love about it is now, while obviously as a cookbook, anybody can use the recipes in it, but the book is aimed at young people so that if a son or daughter comes home and says, I want to be vegan, that you can get this book and hand it to them and say, there, off, off you go. There's the kitchen. Away off with you and start cooking and just let the young people themselves get into cooking for themselves. And obviously a great tool guide for somebody heading away to college that may be on that vegan vegetarian journey. So we'll speak with Jacques after 11 today. And then Cycle Against Suicide. That's happening next month. It starts in Dublin and it comes down around the... It comes down... I was looking at the map yesterday. It's kind of coming through the centre of the country and then it goes back up again so it kind of starts and ends in Dublin it runs for well over a week I think about 200 cyclists if I'm not mistaken took part last year it's a fantastic way of I mean it's a fundraiser obviously for suicide awareness but it also is great in that it it gets the conversation going the conversation that it's okay to not be okay it's okay to talk about mental health and I think anything that can do that has got to be welcomed. So the cycle against suicide will have one cork stop this year and the cork stop is going to be in Mallow on Thursday the 2nd of May and the organisers are looking for host families. Looking for somebody if you have a bed for the night that you would be willing to give to one of the cyclists. I think they ask you to give them a dinner and then a bed for the night, let them have a shower, they'll go to bed, then they'll be gone off the next morning and they'll head off on the next leg of the cycle. Obviously, the idea of getting host families cuts down on all of the costs so that all the money raised through the cycle against suicide can go to the work that they do all year round. And I know this year they're putting funds towards their school programme. They run a really, really good school programme. So an event like this can and will save lives so if you can help out and you're in the Mallow area we'll be asking you to uh, register and then it's Friday so after half twelve today Mark Malone will join us live in studio when we will have this 
this week's uh, movie review. And I'm also going to a piece that you may have heard on the news with our news reporter, uh, Fiona Corcoran. She met up with a man, a Cork City man, and his elderly mother who are living in a council house in Cork City. And they've been living in the council house for the last 38 years. And there's nothing in itself unusual with that. Many, many people rent out a council house and they will live in it for the rest of their days and we know of council houses that have been rented that have passed on through the generations when a parent dies if a son or daughter has been living with them they then remain on uh, in, in the house um, so it's not unusual to be living there for 38 years but what's very unusual about this story is they've been living in this house it's on, on Noonan's Road in the city they've been living in the house with no hot running water no and no central heating and no washing machine. Well, the washing machine, the council can, don't provide washing machines. That's that's got to be um, an individual thing that the family have to do. But I am just really taken aback that somebody could be renting a house from the council for thirty eight years that doesn't have hot running water and that doesn't have central heating. Now I can understand older council houses that didn't have central heating because they didn't have central heating at the time. I would have thought they'd all been retrofitted. But not to have hot running water. I mean, surely in every council house there is at least an immersion in the house. And if there isn't an immersion or, or alongside the immersion, would you not have an open fire with a back boiler that would heat the water? I'm, I'm really, really surprised at this story. Anyway, Fiona Corcoran went out to Noonan's Road Spoke to the spoke to the gentleman, and I don't know whether, whether um, she also spoke with his elderly mother um, or not. But she certainly spoke uh, with the man who's living with his mother, uh, and we're going to hear that report. I think after eleven o'clock, after the news at eleven today, we'll get that report from uh, Fiona. So a lot to get through, as always. This is the Court Today replay on C103. John Paul got on to Councillor Noel McCarthy in Formoy about the flood barrier that has been left up. By mistake, I'm assuming, should have been removed. Uh, no, McCarthy is going to contact the area engineer to remove the flood barrier near the Wheelie Boat location in Fomoy. So that looks like that's been sorted. Whoever initially texted us, can you let us know when it has all been sorted so that we can leave it at that? But thank you to Noel McCarthy and um, hopefully the area engineer is working on that as we speak. The death of the senseless death of the young journalist Lara McKee in Derry prompting some reaction. Micah says, Patricia, hi. It was with the deepest of regrets to hear of the death of that young journalist in Derry. I, like you, had a lump in my throat when I heard the news this morning. Our thoughts and prayers are with her and her family on this Good Friday. 21 years of peace in this country is about to be wrecked by the lack of government in Northern Ireland. The DUP and Sinn Féin have a lot to answer for. This carry-on could be sowing the seed of an army presence on the ground in the north of uh, Ireland, says uh, Michael. And another different Michael by text says Patricia how are you I'm good I have to say I like you shuddered when I heard the news from Derry this morning especially on Good Friday the anniversary of the agreement in the north such a sad day for Ireland today please God let hope it's not going to be the start of more violent sympathies to that young journalist her family whose life has been lost may she rest in uh, peace that's by Michael by text to 0862103103 and somebody's asking is Good Friday a bank holiday no it's not it uh, it is a normal working day some people recognise it as a day off 
but it certainly is not an official bank holiday. 1850 Going to take a break and we're back. We're going to be joined in the studio by Evelyn Brown and her little daughter Anna and we'll chat about Anna's dream to dance. Now last August little Anna Brown from Mallow underwent life-altering surgery at St. Louis Children's Hospital in Missouri. The cost of the operation was covered thanks to the kindness of family, friends and complete strangers who donated under the banner of Anna's dream to dance. Anna is weeks away for making her first Holy Communion and I'm delighted to say she joins me in studio along with her mum, uh, Evelyn. Good morning to you, Anna. Good Want to say hello? Hello. Good morning, Evelyn. Good morning. How are you doing? I, I'm just, I, I can't get over the difference in height in Anna since last year. She came in last year and I can't get over how tall she's after getting. I think she's after growing nearly five inches on last measurement. She just keeps growing. The clothes are just getting too small too quick. But... I reckon she was very restricted due to spasticity because her first comment um, of relief afterwards was that her body was free. Yeah. Her body was free. Like she's a lot straighter as you, as you can see. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So the um, the big news though is the communion shoes. <laughs> this is the big news about the about the First Holy Communion. Tell me about the tell me, firstly tell me about why the communion shoes are so important uh, Evelyn Dana. Because I suppose we didn't get our first pair of shoes until we were the bones of two and a half, nearly three. And at that stage, we didn't know there was anything wrong, you know, but through the years, then all her shoes were splints. They were, they had to be very restricted shoes. You know, she never got to do these pretty little shoes, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but she's a little girl. She's very girly, girly, and she wanted them. So I was trying to get her to get her converse, pretty converse for the communion. But no, she said, I worked too hard. I want shoes. So the shoes of a tiny little heel. Just traditional communion shoes, what all girls wear. So we're very excited about the shoes, aren't we, Anna? Do you love your shoes, Anna? Yeah. Yeah, but she has to practice walking in them. This is the issue. How are we practicing? Well, Emma's, her sister's shoes from two years ago. (laughs) Because you don't want to scuff or get dirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're practicing with the... With because the, they're yeah. the same shoe, yeah, perfect. size shoe, but they're, they're a bit grubby now. Perf- and, perfect. Uh, and was was even in that in itself, um, Evelyn, going to a shoe shop and trying on shoes, was that something very special for her? Yeah, because I would normally just bring the shoes out because I knew that we'd um, be up against a fight. Because shoes, flip-flops, sandals, she's just very, very girly-girly. Yeah, and she's no. never she's never been able to... She's never been able to do that, you know. Okay, tell me what life has been like since returning from, from uh, the States. Extremely busy. Okay. And some days you, you get upset, really. Like last week, and I was really upset at how much physio she has to do. I was feeling sorry for myself at the journeys that we're doing, travelling to and from physio. But then I sit back and I think, I'm parking the car now these days and I don't have to think about the distance that we're walking. Now, while I wouldn't be parking miles away, we didn't use the wheelchair since Christmas. Well, um, no, we still have it. Yeah. And I mean, well, she'll always have cerebral palsy. There's doors after being opened that were jammed shut to Anna. Like she started Irish dancing two weeks ago and she's involved in sports. She's like, as I say, some days you don't realise how far you've come, but then you might meet someone that you hadn't seen in months. And they can point out huge changes and then you're like, yeah, it's yeah. going well. I, I couldn't believe when she walked in. I mean, I can still remember her walking in last year. And I mean, if I take you back to this time last year, you were in the throes of the fundraising. Yeah, at the moment now there's um, a couple of memories popping up on Facebook. And yeah. I'm like, oh God, that was an awful weekend. Oh God. Whereas it did go by in a blur and went very, very quickly. We were very, very lucky. It was 
this weekend last year that we had uh, Mike Fitz's dance the 22nd of April in Star Trek in Star Trek which yeah. would be Sunday we also had a bag collection in Duns and Mallow and Aer Lingus um, in Cork Airport done a big fundraiser so this really was the turning point of the weekend Yeah, this weekend last year was the turning point because it was so difficult I mean I, it used to break my heart when, when you came in because you were battling I mean, everybody knew what you were doing it for. You were doing it for Anna's and for Anna's future. So you were watching your little girl and there was this this urgency to get the money in and you just couldn't get it in quick and enough. There was, was there was that, but there was also the diagnosis. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I can look back and tell you I was definitely broken last year. Yeah. I was. And I don't know how I done it. And I look back and I think, well, but I was battling the diagnosis. I found it very hard to accept it as well. Whereas... Mentally, physically, we're all in a better place yeah, this year. Yeah. Now, we were blessed that we did get the money as quick as we did. And within 14 months to the date of Anna's diagnosis, she was on the operating table. That's incredible. Do you know? And just just remind listeners of what the operation was. Um, SDR surgery. He, uh, Dr. Park um, in Missouri, he went into the back of Anna's spine and he removed part of the L1 vertebrae to access her spine. And he identified the spasticity in her muscles he would have electrically stimulated the muscles to, to see which ones were um, damaged and then he cut those he cut 66% of the muscles so while she was extremely tight before surgery she was like a ragdoll after surgery so mm. that's where physio comes into it then and she was a trooper throughout all the operation she was now she clearly remembers the pain I, I'd said to her there recently I said do you remember the pain Anna and I said, do, you do, do, you Anna? Anna? do you Anna she goes I yeah. do yeah I it was very painful oh it was bad but it was worth it yeah, it's worth it now. Yeah. I, I think she'd forget, but she's like, no, you couldn't forget that pain. No, no. Bless because, her and then this fear as well. There was a lot of fear because we had taken a child that was able-bodied and she couldn't walk then. And there was a lot of fear there as well, worry. Yeah. But about day eight, she took her first few steps and it's only got better after and then that. And there was no, no looking back. No and looking then back. You, you, you touched on the physio. How much physio? Where is the physio happening? We do an hour of physio um, five days a week. And we travel a lot to Limerick, Patrickswell and Limerick. We do some home physio, but then every couple of months we do an intense week. We've been to Wales. We've been to a place in Lansrotty called Swim Lab Physio, which personally is my the best physio that we've done. She's just back from a week there, but it's three hours a day then okay. for six days. So it's 18 hours in the week. But worth it? It's hard again because I'm traveling again, leaving yeah. my husband and two kids behind. Um, it's hard on her as well, but... It's definitely the most productive physio that we've done. There's nowhere and in Ireland that specialises in How it. long? Is, will the physio campaign be for life? No, two no. years of intensity. Two years, such. okay. The more you All put right. in, the more you get out. Now, at the moment, we're battling a growth spurt as well. Yeah. Which you can highlight again. The right foot was started to turn. So we, without realising that this was going to happen, we it coincided perfectly with the week of intense physio. Okay. So probably up to puberty, really, we'll be keeping a good eye on you'd probably have to throw in these intense weeks, but not not two or three a year. We're just doing it because we've been extremely lucky. Do you know? Will there be further surgery? There's a second surgery that we didn't get done at the time okay. called Perks. We weren't sure until we went there she needed it. Um, a couple of weeks ago now again, I thought, oh, this is Perks when the foot was turning. We've sent videos off to Dr. Park waiting on results. 
he said at the moment he doesn't think so. Good. But we'd be keeping a close eye on it. OK, OK. And, and and also just to remind us, that the operation is available in Ireland. No, it's not. It's not, no. is it not? No. Oh, I thought it was when she would be older. No, no, no. it's available in the UK. Ah, And okay. they have referred kids on the From Ireland. abroad. From Ireland, yeah. But only about 16 kids since 2014 or something. I think they were older, were they? Or were no, they, they, no. they were much worse. They were much worse. So okay. basically we were going to have that to was wait it. until got, she yeah, got yeah, worse yeah. before she would be and considered. Crazy. Crazy. Why, I why? know of some girls that got this surgery, a girl from Dublin last year, it was her story that we started following and um, she was 18 by the time she got surgery and she was a lot more mobile than Anna at this age and she's a lot of damage done to her body. Mm. So why wait for the damage? That, and that's why you didn't want to wait? Yeah, because her hips were slightly out already. She had early stages of scoliosis. Everything is in line now. Her body is totally in line. How have doctors in this country reacted and consulted? My own GP yeah. is thrilled with her and yeah. will openly admit it. Do, do you see your, your I've old... I've been con- to Enable Ireland and I've been to her neurologist in the Mercy yeah. a few weeks ago. And I said, can you see a difference? And her comment was that she's never seen her stand so tall or never seen her without a wheelchair. Wow. That was that was as much of the compliment. Now, she's a lovely lady, but I suppose it's hard for them to give their full true opinion because the money isn't here. The surgery isn't and here. No, and it's not their fault. They would probably love. It's not love, their fault. They, 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 would love, they would love to be doing it. I've just seen uh, Mike Fitzgerald has just sent in a text listening to Evelyn and Anna wanting to pass on their uh, best uh, wishes. Thank you for that, um, uh, Mike. Now, um, it's interesting that you say Anna's had her first uh, Irish dancing lesson because the whole campaign was Anna's dream uh, to dance and didn't Dr Park say to you without even realising the name he of the did, charity the, the day that, that Irish went, dancing would yeah. be good the day that uh, Dr Park is a dancer himself oh, ballroom lat, Latin okay. ballroom a beautiful dancer and, is he? Uh, yeah and he, <laughs> he travels for dancing okay and um, the day that we met him in his clinic over before surgery pre-op evaluation he said the best thing for Anna afterwards this was the query of the second surgery would be to get her dancing up on her toes to stretch that muscle okay. he said you know that dancing that flatly does and we laughed <laughs> but he didn't know about Anna's campaign I mean the amount of kids he have coming through his doors I he's know. not going to follow everyone's story do you know but uh, but then again we sent him videos I sent him my concerns last week and I got an answer within 24 hours to send on videos on what he wanted to see that's incredible now he it? normally travels to Ireland in April he didn't this year okay he went to the UK but he'll be in Ireland. He's going to do every second year. So he'll be so here he'll next get to year. See, he'll, yeah. he'll get to see her. OK, so communion day plans. The 11th of May the 11th is of May. the communion day. Little smile on Anna's face. <laughs> Have you your dress, Anna? Yeah. Do you love it? Yeah. Is it blue? No. It's black. What colour is it? White. Is it white? OK, so the dress is all perfect. And you've got the shoes. Are we veil and bag? Are we going that route? Are we wearing a veil, a headdress? We have the veil. We have, have a veil, we'll gorgeous. We'll just have to put them all together and see if they okay. all work out. We were... Up style with the hair, have we decided oh, no. on the hair? Simple no, down, isn't it? The hair down, down. OK. All right. Yeah. No, we'd be very simple. And then the day after... Well, the day I- of the communion, we're going to go to my mum's, my mum and dad's in the city. They put on communion breakfast it's just a, tra- a tradition oh that's lovely that we had going to my nan's for years yeah and that uh, whenever it's someone's communion yeah and I'd have very fond memories of breakfast. my nan's yeah oh and what a so, lovely lovely and idea and be a good effort won't they It'd yeah be lovely mm-hmm. there'll be menus and everything so well we're going done. to go to my nan's and then we go to yeah. Nana Mary's Roy's mum's and she'll have a little spread and we okay. keep it simple out okay so a nice family day which yeah. is what first sort of communions are all about yeah and then on the Sunday we're going to go where are we going? Ballyhafflick. 
Ballyhoss Lakes. Ballyhoss Lakes. Yeah. And what are you going to do at Ballyhoss Lakes? Uh, the water activities. There's water activities. Yeah. Wow. She's very excited because it's something that we couldn't have done before. So she's just going to well, go I, there I, with I saw, I saw a video of you rock climbing for your birthday. So you can you can do anything you want to do, Anna. Including going to Ballyhass Lakes. <laughs> so there's a lot of things like that, Evelyn, that before you would just have avoided, you couldn't have gone near. So the whole family gets affected by that then, don't well, they? Well, you'd probably, yeah. For a while you could have um, just said she was too young for it. But then we were coming to the age that you couldn't because the other kids are very much into their swimming and their sport. And they were doing it. And But then we were beginning to to lie because of the disability as opposed to blaming age on it. But those doors, like she's going to go back now to Mornabby Ladies in a few weeks once the under 10 start up. Okay. Do you know, she's big. Like, uh, she'll football. never be the, Yeah, she'll <laughs> never, football, Mornabby football. Yeah. She'll never be the, the best athlete out there, but neither will another child or another yeah. child. But she doesn't have to be. No, she doesn't. No, There's it's all about she'll always be one of the greatest fighters anyway, for definite. That's it. And it's all, and it's all about uh, taking part. And I'm assuming school are noticing a huge difference, are they? Well, the school were fantastic to begin with because um, if it wasn't for the Gwail School and her teacher in juniors in senior infants, um, Jackie, I never knew there was as much going on. You know, um, they knew there was more. She said there's more going on with her vision. It's more than just a slight delay. It's more than... And she fought hard and she made me realise there was more and the resource Anna's getting. But yeah, all Anna's scores in school have come up. That's fantastic. Everything has come up. And actually, things you mentioned the vision. What is happening with the vision? And we still have coloured glasses, but we're wearing okay. them less and less. Okay. And I, I did um, email the doctor and said Anna's vision, her 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 eye test improved on the last one. Whereas well, probably twelve. Was, was that expected? No, I said that to him. I said, "Is this part of it?" He goes, "I can take no credit for that." But what I will say that there's a lot less brain energy needed for daily activities like walking, that it just frees up the brain. Wow. Yeah. And so, it's a, so the brain instead is able to focus on the vision. On other things. Well, yeah, it's incredible. OK. All right. Um, so and, and I suppose, again, the opportunity, uh, Evelyn, and I know you've done it before, just to thank everyone, people's kindness and the kindness of strangers. Oh, strangers were on. Was, is, is because we like, I suppose my, Mike Fitz was my very first encounter with a complete and utter stranger. He rang in the first day I spoke to you. Then there was a lovely lady called Betty. Um, who wanted to do a coffee morning but then all her daughters helped out I mean people like it's a ripple effect and I yeah. will always take that going forward now we went on from there we had Billy Keane Billy Keane was like a godsend I mean I don't think Billy Keane will ever leave our lives he's fantastic yeah. Um, and then we had the encounter with the guy in America who yeah. has offered to pay for Anna's physio for 12 months hence the reason that we're doing all this intense physio Yeah, and that you're able to do it and we're able to yeah. now he didn't want to be named N- but yeah. again he said going forward if you just do a good deed so we are going to there's another child fundraising at the moment there's about five or six but one child really pulled my heartstrings um, so we're doing I contacted Duns and Mallow we're going to do the bag packing Duns for June, this other little in the June weekend and what's other. the is, is it for a similar operation very same oh but the child is from Dundalk and there happens to be two kids in the very same village and one child's campaign is flying and ah, yeah. both going for the same operation both going and the second child is just kind of struggling happy feet for Sophia so we're doing a backpack but we're also going to have a coffee morning oh well done well um, done so you're passing on the well like if, if the lessons that I've learned in this well I wish I'd never encountered it I'll never be the same person again Yeah, you know you can just do a little something to yeah. pass on that good feeling and that's what we and, it's, uh, and, I, and I remember you saying it uh, at one time you know when people donate and like well the big donations are terrific 
but the, the five euro donation that somebody gives is as important yeah. as the person that gives the 500. Isn't oh, it? fantastic, yeah. yeah. You know, when people donate and, think, and, and you'll often see that, people say, I wish I could give more. You don't. What you, whatever or you can give. the offer of help, even when we were doing the bag pack, we had people coming in from Mallow Act Kindness page. Yeah. There was a couple, Dennis Moynihan came over. I'd never met that man. He came in yeah, to help Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. And, he, and um, Mallow Guides. Yeah. There was a couple of them contacted me and came over. I, I, like, I don't think I'll ever be able to thank everybody, but strangers, people from the school that just were in the same school, but kids in different classes. You know? Offering help, and, offering and, and, help well, yeah. it's, it's, it's all been worth it when you see little Anna doing so well. Listen, uh, once again, thank you for joining us in studio. Um, Anna, have a most magical, wonderful First Holy Communion Day, and we so look forward to the photographs and seeing your beautiful dress <laughs> and your beautiful shoes. Okay, thank you for joining us. Bye. Good morning to you both. And once again, thanks to Evelyn and little Anna for joining us in a studio. It is just such a joy to see that little girl and walk in and smiling. Whereas when she came in last year, you could actually see that the child was was in pain. It's just incredible uh, to see her so well. And thank you to a lot lot of people saying delighted to hear uh, Evelyn and uh, Anna. And uh, we all look forward to the day where hopefully one day Anna will dance. Fantastic to hear that she's taking Irish dancing lessons. Obviously, I ran over on that interview. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, at the end of March, a fundraising campaign was set up to help support Donna Rail mother, Helena Ryan, who is currently battling cancer and help is needed to finish the family home, which was in the process of being built when Helena's cancer returned. Family friend Norma O'Brien rejoins me on the programme with an update on the campaign. Good morning to you, Norma. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and, and you're, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, Thank firstly, you. how is Helena doing? Where is she at treatment-wise? Okay, so since we last spoke, um, the epidural has been working for Helena for her mobility. Brilliant. Um, it has reduced the pain, which is um, very important, I suppose, for her going forward to start, restart the chemo. It's still on hold. However, she has met with the consultant and they've planned um, an appointment for the start of May for a CT scan. So hopefully that stage she will be able to recommence her treatment. Okay, but the good one, the the big one is the the pain. It's dreadful to think of her in pain and the mobility because the mobility was really causing problems for her. Yes, now she still uses the support of her crutches that when she's out and about. But um, thankfully, from I suppose from the that she was fortunate enough to be able to get the epidural and it did work. I suppose that's helping her you know, helping the mobility and like that is the key to starting the chemo again. Yeah, get, get back, get the treatment yes. uh, underway. And it's yeah. it's just under a month ago that the fundraising campaign uh, started. Yeah. Are you blown away by, by the response? Completely. And like Helena and her husband and her family are just ever so grateful to the people of Donnerill and the wider community, you know, reaching into Mallow and other villages and towns in North Cork that have come on board and supported the family. It's just phenomenal to be uh, honest and, and you know when I was talking in, in the last hour with um, Evelyn Brown about her fundraising campaign for Anna's Dream to Dance this time last year yes. you know she was talking about what really touched her was complete strangers exactly and people contacting out the blue the the response to our last interview which was about four weeks ago was it? yeah four, yeah, four, four weeks, weeks ago, ago yeah like people have come on like from Newmarket from you know from I from Fleetwood Paint from Dulux, different companies that would have heard the interview and have come on stream and helped. Brilliant. It's just yeah. people are great. People, I'm always saying it. And I think when it's one of our own. Yes. 
I think and look, I suppose cancer touches everybody. Yeah, look, it, it does. Stage or another, and I think it's it's important that we can stick together and help each other because what life is about. Yeah. Um. But no, Helena is really positive. Like she's a great personality and she's really strong. And you know, I suppose the kids keep her going as well, which is great. You know. And it's the amount of different events. I keep passing places and I see that gorgeous, happy photograph, that beautiful, smiling photograph uh, of her. It's it's just, it makes me smile every time I see it because she's so full of life in it. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous picture. Um, And it's great to see posters up around the place for various events that are going on. There's been just a massive reaction with people saying, "Okay, we'll do something. We'll put on a fundraiser. So like all the companies in Donneril, Coffee Mornings, um, there was Wax and Shave, um, different raffles within the town, um, a pyjama day, a dress-up day within the, in the schools, non-uniform days. Like, everybody has come on board. It's really great. Everybody. It, it, yeah. it really, and I'm assuming, Norma, that a campaign and the reaction to a campaign like this, it's giving Helena and Declan, her husband, a little bit of a lift at a time when God it knows they has. need it. Like, I suppose they're, they're completely blown away by people's generosity and how everybody wants to help them. And really, I suppose that has kept Helena going for the last four weeks, you know, and kept her spirit up. And she's busy or, you know, we'd get on to her and someone would contact me to know, like, is it OK to give them this and I'd always contact Alina just to see it and you know like she's just oh my god here we go again today this is just amazing it's great it's great yeah. and the children Lainey is four and John is three how are three. they doing they're very good yeah. they're busy with school every day and yeah. then like um, Helena has huge support with people helping out every evening taking the kids and you know they go on play dates and you know they're they're busy yeah, so like they're very, ever so grateful yeah. for everybody for helping out from that point of view as well with the childcare. It's amazing. They're so young; they have no understanding yeah. of what's going on. It's no. to keep, keep things as normal as possible. So there's a spin it on tomorrow in uh, Believe to Achieve. I'm Pat Reynolds and Johanna are, are organising it. It's twelve hours. It's from six a.m. to six p.m. Okay. And just before you called me there, um, Pat Reynolds was on looking for John and Laney to come in tomorrow at four p.m. That he wants to present them with. Um, some tops with Believe to Achieve on them and there's some professional boxer coming ah. and he wants them he, that, that guy wants to meet John and Laney so that you know that's, ah, that's a nice, nice thing for them now tomorrow it yes. is it is What any other events that are coming up um, a quiz in the golf course in Donrail on Friday the 26th of April uh, an 80s disco in the Hibernian Hotel on the Sunday of the Maybank holiday and a quiz in Albert Lynch's on the 16th of May they're okay. kind of the four big events that we know up, of today, that are up and that coming. Are coming up. And then yeah. um, in the meantime, there's also the, the GoFundMe page, Friends of Alina. Yes, and it, like that's phenomenal. We've gone over 20,000 on that. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Now, the uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, what this this is about, this is about getting their home up and running so that they can move in and, you know, that they can start to lead a normal life in, in their family home. How is work on the house going? Okay, so um, this week, local, three or four local painters have come in and they have the undercoating done. And the local kitchen company donated the kitchen that should be fitted next week. Furniture has been donated since we spoke last from the interview. People heard the, the interview and, and contacted them, different furniture companies. Um, I suppose the hands-on from different um, tradespeople in the community has been amazing. The plumbing has been has been donated. The electrical work has all been done for them. Um there was a stove donated. So good. really, I'd say like give it three or four weeks. They'll be in. They'll, yeah. be, they'll be in. It's yeah. just... There's, um, the carpenters are coming to hang the doors and that, so then the painters will come back and do the colours on the walls. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's really, you know, and it's really brought the community together. 
Yeah, that's that that's that's the magic of it, isn't it? That's yes. the that's the, the the plus of it. Yes. The community yeah. when a community rallies it really does does bind a community together, which which is brilliant. Uh, yes. So we could be having within weeks. We could be doing an interview with you, Norma, saying they've all moved in, which would be. Oh, I, I, I I will look for. I really will look forward uh, to that day. Listen, pass on our very very best wishes to I'd Helena. To thank Declan. everybody on behalf of Helena. Like she, you know, she really, really from the bottom of her heart appreciates everybody's generosity and the donations and the help. You know, the help in the house and the help with the childcare. It's just. So thank you to everybody. Okay, she just needs to focus yeah. on getting well and everybody else yeah. will sort yeah. everything else out for her. Listen, you're a great friend, uh, Norma. Have a lovely Easter. You too, Patricia. And, uh, thank you for taking the time. Well, that's, it's our pleasure. We'll talk again thank soon. You. All right, God bless. Okay, Bye-bye. That is uh, Norma O'Brien, a friend of Helena Ryan. You can go to the face to the GoFundMe page if you would like to donate. Just go to the GoFundMe.com and just type in Friends of Helena or please support any of those fundraising events that Norma uh, mentioned and if anybody thinks that they can help out in any way it's it's basically finishing off a new build on a house uh, please uh, contact us or contact uh, Norma and the rest of the gang who are uh, organising the fundraising 1850 once again the very best of good luck and good health to young Helena Now Kathleen Kremen from Glantan was on to us to say her relative Sheila Crowley who is from North Main Street in the city, but now living in America, is looking for relatives of a Mrs. Handley. Mrs. Handley from the Rock Bar on the north side of the city. Now, the reason that she's trying to track down relatives of Mrs. Handley is Mrs. Handley was Sheila's godmother, but she's lost touch with the family and she'd just like to reconnect with them. So I'm assuming that Mrs. Handley has passed away. So it is relatives, sons, daughters, siblings of Mrs. Handley, who was in the rock bar on the north side of the city. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Would anybody know of any family members of Mrs. Handley? Could you contact us, please? Because Sheila in the States would really love to get in contact uh, with Mrs. Handley's family. If anybody can help us there, 1850 John Paul takes the calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Milk recorders are wanted for the Lismore, Capaquin, Bandon and Dunmanway areas, while pipe fitters are wanted for the East Cork area. Ability to read ISO drawings and experience in the pharma industry would be an advantage. O'Sullivan Tyres, they've got full-time position available for a tyre fitter, full clean drivers, licence and social club manager is wanted full-time position at Carebright Community that's in Brough. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. We recently heard criticism from farming organisations when the Green Schools programme encouraged students to go meat-free for at least one day of the week in order to help with their carbon footprint. So what do you do if your son or daughter comes home and announces they're going vegan? Well, my next guest says, don't panic. And he's written a cooking manual to prove it isn't that hard. Jacques Brennan joins me to discuss his book, Hungry Soul. Uh, Good morning to you, Jack. Good morning, Christina. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, you're you're very welcome to the programme. And I note the spelling uh, spelling of your name, Jacques, is spelled the French way. What's your French connection? Uh, That's my mother. 
So I'm uh, I'm half French from northern France, and my father, though it's Irish name, were originally from Canada. Okay, because Brennan is a good Irish name. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Many generations back, but I brought it back to Ireland. Did you? Okay, all right, fair enough. Now, your book is 100% vegan, and it's That's aimed right. at young people to get them to cook for themselves. T- tell me how the book came about. Well, what happened many, many years ago, some 20 more years ago, a brother-in-law was staying with us and he was younger, you know, just early 20s. And uh, he ate well, as the young people do. And when he left, when he was leaving, he said, you wouldn't write down some of your recipes, would you? So I did. I wrote a little pamphlet. And when I was in his kitchen in Ireland many years later, uh, there it was, still there. And I said, Kevin. He said, yeah, I use it. <laughs> so my children were getting a bit older, teenagers and some in college, and they were leaving. And so I said, why not make a real one, a big one? So, And that's how it came about. So recipes, but I also felt something to help them. So it's a manual in the sense that how to cook pasta, uh, potatoes, uh, just the basics. Because once you have the basics, you can make meals, you know. So because, but you, you learned to cook at a very young age. I learned to cook with my mother. Uh, we, we all were four brothers, and we all cook well. And I think it's because of my mother. We just uh, we learned at the table, and we learned with her, and uh, we learned to do dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it it it's something I don't know whether we're losing that tradition of passing on cooking skills to children, and it, it's something we really need to to think about. I I think very very true, and actually. I, when I go into the supermarket, I see the rows and rows of pre-prepared foods. And it's not just the young people buying them, you know, going to college or things like that. But uh, many people, all ages, are lining up buying these things. And I'm going, wait a minute, it's so easy to make. I know there's convenience. Yeah. But uh, the difference between the food you make yourself and what you buy, is there's no comparison. And it's so easy. That's what I always, that's always... And this is a really big part of the book. And I think you're right about losing that ability to cook that you learn from your mother or your father um, is unfortunate. And, uh, you know, when some, like like, I, like you said in the introduction, people are, their children come home and say, I'm going vegan. What am I going to do? But, you know, it's not, it's not very difficult. And that's why it kind of gets me going a little bit because uh, I think it's so easy and so important that they learn to cook. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and and you are right about we, we've, whether we've all become lazy or people will say, oh, I'm too busy, so convenience uh, food. I mean, a simple one is, like, is pasta sauce. It is so easy to make yes, pasta yeah. sauce. And yet yeah. the amount, go into a supermarket and see the jars upon jars of pasta yeah, sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, but it's so easy. I, I even... Well, my children, they make it. Today is Friday, and Friday is our, normally our uh, pizza night. It's kind of a thing. And now I have my children, they make the sauce, and they make the dough. Yeah. And they, just, they tell me, how, many, how much am I making? 500 grams or a kilo? Or depends how many people are eating. And they make it. And the sauce is, okay, if you make from fresh tomatoes, that's great. But we don't normally get them, at least not great ones uh, this time of the year. But you get a, a tin of tomato, uh, well, I use lots of garlic, but garlic, a few spice herbs, and you mash it up and you heat it a bit, and there you have a tomato sauce. Yeah. You could add things to it, vegetables, of course, but that's already a lovely sauce for pasta, 
for pizza, for anything, you know. And at a fraction of the cost of the jar. I actually was thinking about a meal that I make, uh, we, we make quite often, which is a lentil stew, like a dal, at home. And everybody eats it. Every child, they all like it. And I was trying to figure out the cost of making that with pita bread that we have with it. And I calculated at €2.50 to make that, and that's for four people eating. Yeah. It's, it's like you say, the jar, the tin of tomatoes now, you can buy a tin, you can buy a one euro, but you could buy a tin for 25 cents. I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A tin for 25 cents, a globe of garlic, I don't know what it would cost you, but a drizzle of olive oil, and you have it. So maybe, maybe not 50 cents, maybe 35 cents, you have a tomato sauce and, and lots of it, you know. And a tasty one. How long? Are, how long are you vegan? I'm vegan just under ten years. Uh, I'm a vegetarian all my life. I was. Our family were vegetarians, and uh, my mother was the catalyst and all this. And the family became vegetarian around the time I was born. So I never had meat. I never have, and I don't know what it tastes like or anything. And uh, and then I became uh, vegan. About, uh, I don't know, I'd say about 10, but maybe a little bit less than that. And it was a, actually my child who pushed me into it. One of my children came home and said, I'm going vegan, as it's happening more today. And I said, great, because I wanted to be vegan. And I do a lot of the cooking at home. And it's hard to cook for one person and the rest for the other. So now I had two. And for a long time, I made two meals. I made a vegan version and a, a vegetarian version. For and now... I've got a, a lot of them eating mostly vegan. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm intrigued that you've been vegetarian uh, all of your all of your life, that you've never yeah. tasted meat. Are you curious? I'm not. It's a funny thing, and I've, I've been asked that many, many times as I grew up, especially as children, you know, what about a burger, you know? And, uh, <laughs> you, have you tasted that? Have you had that? You've never had a burger. I don't time people have told me, you've never had a burger. Well, I did. <laughs> I had a burger... In London, at Wimpy's, in 1986, I think, uh, when I was traveling around, a young fellow after college, and they had a bean burger. Yeah. And it's the first time in my life I came out with a bag with chips <laughs> and a burger. So I've had a burger, but... Uh, it's a bean, no. and, and, and bean burgers are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Bean burgers are, go- are really good. They are, actually. If they, I, that was a great thing. That was first good burgers I like were bean burgers <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I, the, I, the, but then the other argument um, Jack that you can't get all your nutrients from a plant based diet this is what parents will worry about if a teenage son or daughter decides I'm going vegan it'll be oh my god you'll be you'll be catching every bug under the sun well probably the reverse is true if you're eating vegan you're eating a healthier diet and you'll get everything from a, uh, a vegan diet there's one thing is B12, they say it's difficult to get. Okay, you have to be careful of that uh, vitamin. But everything you have, and, and actually, uh, actual fact, it's better. And But but like any other diet, you have to have a balanced diet. You have to have you know, vegetables and, you know, the raw or the greener, uh, the better. You have to eat a certain amount of starches, carbs, and you have to eat a certain amount of protein. And you need a, all three elements to your diet, it's and in any any diet, and as a vegan diet, you have often in your when your your what you cook is half vegan. Anyways, if you cook vegetables and potatoes or rice, you're okay, they're already vegan, and then you just need one more element, and it's often the protein that's missing. That's 
the meat that is in many people's diets. And you have beans, or you can have tofu if you if you like, but you don't need to have that either. You can you can have lentils, very high in protein. Uh, so any kind of nuts, uh, you can make nut loaf, but you can you know I beans are a staple really for vegan diets. Beans and lentils are very important, and once you have that, you have a very a very well balanced diet. Yeah. And so give me the ingredients that you always have in your pantry. I always have tin tomatoes, yeah. lots and lots of garlic. I always have garlic, olive oil, and we tend to have brown rice. Brown rice, is, uh, it's called short grain organic brown rice, and you, you tend to have to get them in a health store because you don't tend to get uh, that type of brown rice. But you can get other brown rice in, in uh, other in normal stores. It's a rice that is full of nutrients. When you eat it, you almost don't need anything else. It's actually protein in it, everything. It's, it's beautiful food, and this we always have. So we cook this several times a week almost. But then um, a few herbs we would have. One thing I do have often is nutritional yeast. I don't know if you've heard nutritional yeast, but... It's got that nutty kind of... That's right. Yeah. And, you know, that cheesy flavor that... Is all, that was the hardest thing for me to give up when I became vegan is cheese. Mm. And that gives you a nutty flavor. It's kind of like the umami, which is a savory flavor. But you get it from other things. You get it from garlic. You get it from onion. And when I was trying to make a cheese sauce, not cheese, but a cream sauce without cheese, and trying to get that flavor that cheese would give you that we're used to. It's only a matter of what we're used to. Uh a daughter of mine, she, she used onion. She cooked onion and then blended it and put it in the sauce. And then, oh, we, ha- we have something here. And that's the kind of thing we have to, to make it. But So we'll have a nutritional yeast. And nutritional yeast often has uh, B12, which is something that's that hard to get. So I use that in a lot of my cooking. Uh, whenever there's cream sauces or anything like that, I put B12 in there. So. And okay, and, and and what was your reason, by the way, uh, Jack, for being vegetarian and vegan? Is it is it an animal rights issue? Yes, I when I when we were vegetarian from the very start, it was for animals. It's for we believe that we we should not use animals for human use uh, of any type. So we were, I was, uh, our family, we were against using animals in anything, research, anything, and. It's been the reason for me being vegetarian and vegan. And it's probably part of the reason why I never really craved uh, meat. meat or yeah. Because it was, it's an ethical thing. And so for me, eating an animal is, I can't. I just cannot. I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know, something innate, something very deep inside me. So I never craved it. Like I didn't. I never, I don't know why, but and I, and I'm not saying everybody has this, but I never, I never wanted to taste it. And I think a big part of it is the ethical part. You know? And what about the use of leather and wool? So I don't. You don't, okay. I, I don't. I use, I have leather belts. And, and throughout my life, it was hard. It was, especially when I was younger, to do, to, it, it didn't, didn't exist as much as today. Now It's can, much easier today. Yeah, it's yeah, much easier yeah. because... The demand is there, too. The demand, like, I was uh, being interviewed by a newspaper, and they said, you know, if you go into Tesco's or Don's or any big supermarket, you find a big range now of dairy-free or meat-free products. And he said to me, they're not doing it for their good 
you know, for the for the good of people or anything. I said, no, no, they're they're doing it because there's a dollar, there's a there's it's euros not, yeah. there to be made. And right? and and even if you, even when you're eating out, when you go into restaurants, re- restaurant, yeah. even though a lot of and you with your French connections, a lot of the chefs can have a hissy fit if they're your vegan. But uh, but, but but they're de- they're they're getting. More. I mean, you know, you open a menu now, and the amount of vegetarians and vegan options on it. Compared to even say ten, fifteen years ago, yeah, very much. Very, it's changing, and that's demand rapidly. led. It's demand led, and yeah. it's changing so fast. I, I'm surprised actually how fast it's changing today. And it's demand led, of course. Mm. And and there are also now vegan restaurants that did not exist, you know, three or four years ago. Didn't have, didn't exist in Ireland, and now there are some. Actually, we're staying in Dublin, and we went to a, veg, a vegan restaurant last night. I was surprised because sometimes. Even vegan restaurants, sometimes the dishes are lacking in something. But this was a great one. I said, okay, things are really coming to the fore, changing. And I was talking to a chef friend of mine some uh, weeks ago, and he was saying, yeah, they're in a restaurant in Limerick. And he said, you know, the main dish, one of the main dishes is vegan. Now, we add, if people want uh, meat, we do. There's different choices. But he said, actual fact, it's vegan when you start. The base of the curry or whatever he was it's talking vegan. about. Yeah. So it's it's more and more popular. And it's easier to when I was young, you couldn't eat. I mean, we we flew in planes a lot because we lived in Africa, and we, on the plane we couldn't eat. My mother, I always remember my mother peeling out ham from a sandwich because that's what they gave in those days, little sandwiches, and we would have just the bread, and that was what we ate. And many that happened many times. I mean, I was in a nice restaurant in Paris. And uh, the chef, when he heard it, he said, "That's your, c'est ton problème." He said, "That's a, that's his problem." Yeah. And he turned and left, you know, and he wasn't interested in, in uh, serving me at all. But today, it's very different. Yeah, it so. is. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, and your book is a lot more than. I mean, there's wonderful recipes in it, but it's a lot more than just a recipe book. It it is a manual. I have to say, and it gives rules. And I smiled at <laughs> one of your top one. One of your first rules: read the recipe. Because I have yeah. to say, it's one of the things that I'm guilty of. I'm I'll cook something and then I realise I left out a vital ingredient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so well, annoying. It is so <laughs> annoying. It is, and I've done it myself. And this is why, because the book is a lot of recipes that we cook at home and things I do. And the, the rules are rules that I've probably broken. So they're, they're, you know, I use them as well. But that first one, I am guilty of as well. Yeah. There are times, you know, you come down and, and it doesn't rise. Why didn't it rise? And you go back and you realize you didn't read it. You just figured you had it you know yeah I, I was making actually they were they were vegan muffins and they didn't rise I forgot to put in the, the flaxseed egg of course oh, they weren't yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, it didn't yeah. rise and it was my it own fault it didn't rise it didn't okay alright it, it really is it. And, and the other one on it is clean up as you go along I'm a big and yeah, that's, that's, the last one. One. And the that's one of my I do that I absolutely yeah. do that because there's nothing worse that when you finished cooking that you turn around in the kitchen it's like a bomb hit it that's right it takes, takes all the good out of it you're well fed and you just want to sit on the couch then and watch telly or something. That's you know? it. And I'm really interested. What would you cook for Easter Sunday dinner? Because if you go into any supermarkets, you know, the leg of lamb is there or the turkey or the big joint of ham. What what will you do for Easter Sunday? Okay, well, it depends. Usually I ask the children, what, what do you want, you know? And sometimes we might make a big lasagna because uh, they like lasagna a lot and uh, do that. But I do, they love vol 
you know, the volavant, yeah. the, the cases, yeah. and, and we fill them with a cream sauce, with these mushrooms or things like that. And something out of the ordinary. It tends to be something that we don't cook every day. That's what they tend to say. Lasagna we do cook more often. But something like that. Or um, we, I, don't, I don't have a dish, let's say, for uh, the, the holidays period, like even for Christmas, you know. Uh, we, we, there, there's a tendency to do like nut roast. Yeah, like every, that. Everyone, everyone has a tendency to that and it can just get a bit boring. Yeah, and I, we do nut roast too, but not very often. I don't tend to actually. My wife does, but I don't tend to do nut roast or that kind of thing. I tend to do more whatever the kids like. Even I think one time, I don't know if it was Christmas, but they said, we have pizza. And I said, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why no, not? Right? There's no set so, rules. You, you, can no. do, you can do what you want. And will, will there be an Easter egg? Do you say, sorry? No, I said, will there be Easter eggs, vegan Easter eggs? Oh, there will be vegan Easter eggs, actually. There are. Okay. <laughs> All right, you have to have that. Oh, you have, yeah, yeah. You have to stick with that part of the tradition. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah that tradition is there, yeah. Okay, the book is called uh, The Hungry Soul, and it, it is, it's, it's, it's a fantastic book. Um, congratulations uh, to you on it, Jack. You. And it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for Thank that. And, and uh, just to say one thing, on yeah. uh, Saturday the 27th, which is next Saturday, there's Veg Fest in Cork. It's at the City Hall, and I'll be there with my book and uh, signing and uh, selling them. And, okay. and I can give any information, especially if people are a bit concerned about veganism and their children. If they come, uh, I will, they will see beautiful food. Uh, they'll be able to eat. And if they wish, uh, they could ask me questions. I'd, I'd be happy to Okay, that's a ve- that's Veg Fest in City Hall. Next, yes. the 27th, the weekend the after after Easter. Yeah. Okay, and my tip if, you, if you're in Cork, Cafe Paradiso is the most magnificent. Absolutely. Fa- You've been there? Very. Yeah, go there. I've been there many go times. Go there, yeah. it's great. All right, yeah. Jack, thanks for okay. that. All right. And thank happy Easter to you and thanks thank for joining you. us. Okay, uh, bye bye. Um, Jack, I, I want to say Jack because of the spelling of his name, Jack Brennan. Uh, well, and the book is called uh, Hungry, uh, so, uh, Hungry Soul. Okay, um, some reaction on that. So you So you're encouraged children to to not eat meat from 10 miles down the road but to eat veg transported from all corners of the globe it doesn't make an ounce of sense I'm assuming that's on the green that's the the green schools project that are telling uh, children to go meat free for their carbon footprint I suppose they, they what what Antashka would say to that is they could go for veg that's good, that's sourced locally but yes absolutely accept the point you're making and Colm and Manway says Patricia what's all the fuss about veganism what's wrong with vegetarianism I haven't eaten meat for 30 years and I don't miss it want it or need it ask some column in Dunmanway to 0862 103 103 and a texter has asked us to ask drivers to please be careful in the Nad Lyre and Lachlowan area as there are a lot of people out picking up litter and the texter says thanks to the litter pickers shame on the litter louts thanks again to C103 so be aware Nad Lyre and Lachlowan areas as litter pickers and of course as we mentioned yesterday on the programme there's a huge campaign on today in the Mallow and the surrounding areas. Uh, last year over 200 people turned out this is for the Pick Litter Get Fitter uh, campaign and they're underway as we speak as well so I would all of the approach roads around Mallow and if you're driving anywhere near Mallow be aware that there are people out picking up uh, litter. Now Cycle Against Suicide, a national suicide prevention charity will hold their main cycle this year from April 27th through to May 6th. The Cork Star 
crop this year will be in Mallow and the organisers are looking for host families to offer a bed for the night for some of the cyclists. Joining me from the Home Stay programme team is Anna McGowan. Good morning to you Anna. Or is Good it morning. A- it's Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. Is it Anne or Anna? It's, it's Anne. Anne, my apologies. No um, problem. You're, you're welcome. Let's talk first about the cycle. What route are you taking and how long will the cycle be? Right. This year, the cycle will start in Dublin. It starts and it actually finishes in Dublin and it's for 10 days. So uh, some of our cyclists will get on the bikes in Dublin and they won't come off them until I get back in Dublin. And it starts, uh, as I said, in Dublin and it'll then uh, travel down. We're actually down mostly in the south of the country this year. Last year, it was quite up towards the northern end of the country. This year, we're down south. So uh, the first night will be in Tullamore and uh, then on to Nina. Um, We go on then from Nina to Limerick, then on to Listowel, Killarney. And after we leave Killarney, we'll be arriving in Mallow on the 2nd of uh, May, which is a Thursday. And then after that, it'll go on further into Cashel, Kilkenny. And back up uh, to Dublin. Yeah, Kildare, and yeah. then back into Dublin. Uh, and on average, how much cycling do you do each day? Do, uh, there's 100 kilometres, between 70 and 100 kilometres a day. Wow, you, you reasonable level of fitness, is this? No, it, 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 there's, it, there's a lovely steady pace um, and uh, there's a couple of stops along the way. Uh, they have uh, what they call the suspect in the morning and then uh, half lunchtime, there'll be always a lunchtime stop. So that goes, all of our stops are actually into schools. So um, there's different other uh, towns along the way that will be hosting. There's Edenderry and I think Burr... Um, Trilly, I think Canturk will be your uh, the stop before you. The okay, in, in Cork. So what yeah. they do is they stop for lunch and then they stop for a break in the afternoon and. Uh, uh, so it's a, so it's a re- so yeah, it isn't a race. It's it can not. Be, it can be done by no means a race. No. No. Okay, and and you mentioned like it is ten days, and for some we'll get on the bikes and we'll do the ten days. But but I, I like the idea of this. People can just do a couple of days or a day here and there if they want. Yeah. If, you, if you decided now, flush after your show next <laughs> week, or uh, when it comes to, you can get on your bike in Mallow and you can go on and you can cycle on as far as Cashel or there the the, the stop in between is Care. So you can just do you can do a half. Oh, that's day. nice. That's that 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 lets everybody that wants to get involved. Yes, that's and what's the average number of cyclists taking part? The average number of cyclists include cyclists and plus the the backup crew. The, and the crew would involve all the cycle marshals and all our motorbike marshals, uh, which um, the bicycle marshals uh, look after the safety of the the peloton, the, all the cyclists, and then our motorbike marshals would look after the route. So they're go ahead of the peloton and they'll be behind the peloton and you have your medical staff and whatever. So you're looking that uh, you could have um, up to 200, 300 people on any one day depending on how many come in. On that particular uh, day. Yeah. So that is that the the reason I'm asking numbers? Is that how many beds you're looking for no, in Mallow? No. 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 That's not... Uh, everybody that's taken in everybody that'll do a one day everybody that's taken um, you know the maybe two or three days they may they may not come as far as Mallow they might start in Dublin might do the first two nights Okay. so what we're looking for we're probably looking for uh, up to about 160 beds okay. in the town Okay, and what what are host families required to do? 
Right, the host family, what they do is they'd come and they'd meet the, the cyclist. The cycle will come into Davis College. Davis College is the host school for um, the Mallow Stopover. Now, the bikes are left there, so anybody that's listening, you don't have to worry about the bikes. Uh, okay. One of the big things that people say, oh, God, sure, I can't collect the bike. You don't have to collect the bike. The bikes are left overnight uh, and locked in uh, Davis College, so... Um, it's only they're looked after okay so what you'll do is the cycle should uh, it all depends there's loads of different things you know the weather and everything but usually we're trying into the school around half past five in the evening and you'll come and you'll meet your cyclist and they'll go home with you obviously they'll probably freshen up and have a quick shower have the dinner with you whatever you're having for your dinner yourself have the dinner sit and have a chat uh, sometimes hosts take them out to their local town and say this is where we live or whatever uh, some sit in and have a chat um, and then the following morning uh, you take them back to the school so it's ideal if you know any parents that might be listening to from uh, Davis College you're picking them up from the school and then you're dropping them back to the school the following morning when you're leaving your child back to school Give them a breakfast before they yeah, go them a breakfast. Give, them a, yeah. give them a hearty breakfast they have a long a day they have a long yeah. day uh, ahead Long day ahead and, and you've always had great reaction to oh, this to this homestay, haven't you? It's always been it's always been a very very positive experience from everybody. Now I I actually live in Donegal, and I started off back in 2014 as a homestay host, and I took two people in. And you're kind of wary, you know, you're wondering. Take they come in. They are the most down to earth people that you'll meet. And 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 can you remember why did you decide why? to do it? Uh, right. Okay. Obviously, um, uh, suicide is a is a is a huge um, problem in our country. And I liked the idea of uh, cycling against suicide's message. It was bringing the message into the schools that you know. Okay, it's not. Uh, it's okay not to feel okay, and uh, certainly um, it's better to talk and let you know. Let you tell somebody that you're not. How are you feeling? Okay. Uh, I know certainly if when I was at school, it was something that never came in. Uh, so when I heard it was coming to our school, um, Abbey Vocational School in Donegal Town, I thought, right, I'll take. Uh, took so we had two stay with us, and it was absolutely great experience for not just for me and my husband but for the, the the children and they got involved and they were they were we had a great welcome for them at the school and then the following morning uh, we you go into the, the talk there's a talk always a talk in the school the following morning and it's something uh, it could be a personal story it could be a funny story it could be lots of things but what it is we're just trying to promote a positive feeling you know, as we go around. Yeah, and it's to get people, as you say, talking. It's get, to get people, it's it's okay not to feel okay and more importantly, okay. it's absolutely okay to ask yeah. for help. Exactly. You know, uh, as, I, as I always say, if if I had a headache or if I was, uh, you know, I take, you're going to take something if you're not have a headache and you're going to get rid of it. If I break my arm, I'm going to go and get it looked after. But sometimes I think we forget about the poor old head. And we do. We do, sadly. We do. Yeah. And, and too many young lives and too older lives, lives have been lost be- yes. just because there was no one there to say, I'm not OK. I need, okay. I need help. And, I need you know, help. Listen, uh, and then, you know, uh, fun, sometimes 
once you say it, that's that's the that's the that's the biggest part over. Yeah. That's the biggest. Yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Know. That re- that reaching out. It's okay, that, so, so really that's what it is. So what you're doing is you're really taking somebody home. Um, they'll stay with you for the night, and uh, you're adopting a cyclist for a night. You're and you're, a cyclist, and they're gone. They're not even with you twenty four hours. No. So how no. can people contact you? And if they're in the Mallow, our surrounding areas. Our surrounding areas. Yeah. You know, if a uh, uh, if, if, if the person is happy to come in and collect them from the yeah. school, you know, um, that's fine. Um, we have uh, an email address. Okay. It's mallowhomestays at gmail.com or I've left my contact number. With John which Paul is, has with, it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so mallowhomestays yeah, so at gmail.com yeah. as we have Anne's mobile number. Okay. Yeah. And it is probably the handiest thing is to, to email us. Not everybody has email, so my you have my number. My mobile number. Um, and my number, is, it is, it's, I can give it out, it's 87 224 And uh, if anybody wants, and or it's, you can, you go, you can actually go into the website, our uh, com. There's a link and, where you can click there, there as there. well, okay. And it's Mallow, it's the night of Thursday, the 2nd Thursday, of May. May. So that you you don't, that's running into the bank holiday weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Thursday. Okay, yeah. listen. The very best of luck with the thank cycle you. against suicide. We look forward to seeing them all in uh, Mallow. Um, and thanks a million for joining us on the program. Thank you. Good very morning much. to Take you. Bye bye, Anne McGowan there of the uh, Homestay uh, Project with the Cycle Against Suicide. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. 
Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Catching up with some of your commentary coming in. Oh, the barrier in Formoy. Uh, Chris said Formoy's wheelie boat has been on today. Patricia, thank you. The barriers at Bernard are down and now the boat can operate as normal. My main concern was if there was an emergency in this beautiful weather, the emergency services would not have been able to access the walk, but the barrier has been uh, removed. Glad we were able to help you. Chris, have a wonderful, wonderful uh, weekend. We were talking about the cycle against suicide, which gave us an opportunity to talk about mental health and how it's okay to not feel okay and it's absolutely okay to ask for help and cycle against suicide. They want to break the cycle of suicide uh, in this country. Some people commenting, Mike in Bantry says, Grow, Patricia, uh, is also great for mental health issues, for shyness, for anxiety. It's all followed by the Grow meetings. They're all followed by a cup of tea and uh, coffee. Kind regards, says Mike in Bantry. And Martin uh, says, Patricia, those that have taken their own lives or those who are contemplating taking their own lives are not aware of the full health recovery techniques and facts to change their perception of their situation. There are 30 different types of medication for depression according to the HSE's website. The first medication may not work if that's the case, try others. There are also many other ways to change your perception of your reality. There are things like hypnosis, acupuncture, uh, homeopathy to help with depression and other types of health issues. Thanking you, uh, says Martin. Yeah, and cognitive therapy behaviour, CBT, particularly for anxiety, is meant to be another, and it's something I know we touch on quite regularly when we talk with uh, Joe Heffernan on a Tuesday. But yeah, it is good to talk and it's okay to say that you're not okay. And we continue once again to wish the very best of luck to the cycle against uh, suicide and hope that they, and I'm feel sure they will get the required number of families that they need. If you've got a bed to offer on the night of Thursday, the 2nd of May, please make contact uh, with them. Now, I the oh, this is this is a story that's running on our news. We want to get a bit more. Uh, we want to dig a little bit deeper into this. This is the story of a man and his elderly mother who have been living in a council house in Cork City with no hot running water. They have no central heating. They also happen to not have a, a washing machine. And this has been going on for 38 years. No hot running water, no central heating for 38 years. Alan Duggan lives with his elderly mother at Noonan's Road in the city. And he has decided to go public because he says he simply can't take it anymore. And he spoke with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. If my mum wants, wants to bed or needs to bed or myself, whatever, um, we have to boil the kettle um, of water three or four times and put it in the basin and then stand in the bath um, and try and just, you know, just the basic ordinary wash. Um, um, as, as I said, she's fallen twice. She broke her finger. It was in the finger cast for a year um, tr- over get, trying to get in. Um, if she wants to wash at all, there's no hot water in the sink. Um, again, everything has to be boiled um, in, the, in the kettle because we don't have any. We don't have any back boiler. Um, all we have is a copper cylinder. Um, that's not a back boiler. Um, so everything is boiled by kettle. Um, as I said, if if I want to shave, um, it takes two or three kettles of water in in the sink um, to shave. 
my mum is 78 now, um, and it's already dehumanised, it's an embarrassment. How long has this been going on for? Since we, we moved in here. There's never been a shower or hot water installed here. 38 years ago we moved in here, yeah, so there's never running hot water. Um, there's no heating, there's nothing here. Um, we've no washing machine, um, we're not allowed to buy a washing machine because it's not plumbed, the place is not plumbed in. And we're not allowed, we were told we can't get a washing machine because we're interfering with corporation property if we, if we, if we do it. Um, and when my mum was awarded the shower um, in the last couple of months, um, my mum's family have uh, volunteered um, to pay separately for uh, a wet room and the council has said um, we can't interfere with um, the co- corporation property because the bat inside, um, if we take it out or if somebody that we get someone to take it out, it will fall down into the guy underneath and flood him. Um, so you can't put in your own wet room and they have said that they will put in a wet room but you don't know when that's going in yeah my mum has left to be in the water um, and the contractors were up in mid-February um, and they said they'd prioritise it when they've seen it obviously it's in a very bad state um, and they said the first week of April um, that someone would be up to do it um, and three weeks in, into April nothing nobody's answering emails or, or calls or when we go down um, to the office or anything like that um, washing When you contacted the city, I presume you've contacted the city council a load of times about this, what have they said to you? They just, they, my my mum goes down every Monday um, to pay the rent physically um, and they just says um, that someone will, will, will contact us um, but they never do, then when I ring the, the maintenance line um, you get through, um, but it's an automated um, um, recording that is downloaded every day and someone will get back to you and you leave the message, but nobody ever gets back the next day or any day. And can you fix the back border yourself? Well, we can, but we're not allowed to interfere with it. We're not. We're basically not allowed because um, it's their property. Um, as I said, we don't have a washing machine, so we go to the laundress up in Bandon Road um, it's 30 euro a day a week sorry um, because we don't have any washing machine to wash clothes um, and all the kitchen has been painted by ourselves a couple of months ago and it's all damp again already and there's just mould everywhere it's just it's an embarrassment we just basically feel left down by the council big, big time we're just late doing nothing uh, you know, and it's, it's crazy. Have you ever asked to be moved? Yeah, we, we've asked to be moved. Um, nine years ago, they offered my mum um, in Black Rock um, in apartments um, to go up a lift. Um, obviously, she's not able to, and she, she refused it. Um, but we just basically want, um, need, not want, just need um, what, what my mum was awarded um, a wet room, a uh, shower. Um, and he- he- heating, um, because I can't sleep in the room upstairs. I sleep in w- with my mum. Um, I've stayed in Penny Dinners um, once. Um, the internet shop in Winthrop Street, I've stayed in because uh, it's freezing here at night. Um, but I can't be out at night because my mum is 78. Um, so you sleep in the room with your mum? Yeah, yeah. I, I, bring in the, I, bring, I bring in the mattress in. 
Um, I bring it back out in the morning. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's intruding. It's not life for a grown man. It's intruding on my mum's uh, privacy as well and me. You know, it's, I don't bring salt dog out. Um, we both have very bad disabilities, but we don't bring salt dog out because we'd be ashamed. Um, even now, it's, it's, you know, obviously, but we have to, we are going public. I don't, we don't bring anyone in here. It looks okay on the outside. It's crazy, you know. Yeah. Do you just feel that you had no other choice now at this stage because they're just not listening to your requests for basic yeah. facilities like running hot running water? Yeah, yeah. They're just basically ignoring us uh, at everything. They put some doors in a couple of weeks ago. Um, these doors here, kind of a good gesture or put away, kind of hide what, what really needs to be done. Okay, that is uh, Alan Duggan speaking on behalf of himself and his uh, 78-year-old mother, uh, who, as you heard, suffers from serious disabilities, living in that council house in the city, 38 years, no hot running water and no central heating. Now, we did contact Cork City Council. They say not in a position to comment on individual cases. However, the council is satisfied that it seeks to maintain and improve the housing stock in accordance with statutory and best practice requirements, providing a reasonable standard of accommodation for its uh, tenants. And I know Councillor Dermot O'Kyla is also involved with this uh, family and Dermot with the group Housing Rights and Reform Alliance. And Dermot O'Kyla says it is beyond belief that no one at City Hall seems willing to take responsibility to correct this wrong. He says these days we expect running hot water to exist everywhere. He says Cork is presenting itself as the second city of Ireland. But, the, but, if, but if this is the standard, then Councillor Dermot O'Kiley says, I'm afraid we will appear in a different league table altogether. It will be the league table of uh, slums. Now, as I say, and Alan Duggan, who you heard speaking there, has decided he has no other choice but to go public. And I suppose he's hoping by going public that, you know, something will be done. We'll keep a close eye on this story. And if anything breaks in it, uh, we'll bring it to you. And our thanks to our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, for going out to visit Alan and recording that piece uh, for us. Now, an email in asking us to mention that there's no bingo in O'Donovan Rossa GAA Hall in uh, Skibbereen tonight. Uh, no bingo in... Now, I know there's bingo on in, in other places, but no bingo in O'Donovan Ross's GAA Hall in Skibbereen for tonight. On Bank Holiday Monday, make sure that you've got the radio uh, tuned in uh, to C103 at 6pm because we're airing a very special one-hour documentary that it will tell the story of a lady who is responsible for some of certainly my favourite songs of all time and that is Amy Winehouse. It's an hour that takes a gripping and revealing look back at the career and the life of one of the most talented yet really, really tragic singers of her generation. It is the radio documentary is called The Story of Amy Winehouse and you can hear it here on C103 this bank holiday Monday evening at 6pm. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie I did mention there was other bingos going on in the res. Drina Community Playgroup. They're hosting their annual fundraising bingo at night, 9 o'clock. Lots of prizes and all are welcome. Cove GAA are presenting the Good Friday Disagreement tonight at 8. It's in the GAA Pavilion. MC is from our own sports 
Sports Department, Michael Scanlon, with lots with music by Tony O'Donovan. Question and answer session with Kerry footballer Tomas O'Shea, with special guests Tomas Mulcahy and Angela Walsh. And tickets are ten euro. Bingo's on in Kildallery Parish Hall. That's tonight at half past eight. All are welcome. While Bowmount Quarry Easter event uh, is on as we speak and it runs until two o'clock this afternoon you're invited to go along and find all the pictures of plants and animals to win an Easter egg Banshee Blues are holding a table quiz tonight starts at half past eight in the Keys Bar proceeds are in aid of the Kieran O'Connor Fund and Clyde Rovers GAA they've got their weekly lotto draw tonight Hill Bar in Bottle Hill the jackpot there is twelve and a half thousand euro tomorrow night Saturday there's dancing to Finbar Dennehy at Cades County in Glenville with proceeds in aid of Formoy MS and the Clonakilty Easter commemoration will be held on Easter Sunday at 12.45 Asna Square during the ceremony a wreath will be laid at the Tigernos statue and Formoy Easter commemorations taking place in Kilcrumper Cemetery at half past two and the orator this year will be Councillor Deirdre O'Brien and the annual Easter Monday Civic Parade in Mallow will leave from the courthouse at 12 midday proceeding via Fair Street onto Main Street pausing at the statue of Thomas Davis on the plaza where the Thomas Davis Pipe Band will give their rendition of A Nation Once Again and that will be followed by a laying of a wreath at the 1916 Memorial Stone. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Mike from the truck has been on to say by text the good news story of the week has to be the Mallow Racecourse I passed it at 7.30am Tuesday last and the place was almost completely flooded remember we had that atrocious weather on Monday into Tuesday morning passed again Wednesday 24 hours later oh no 36 hours later 7pm and the whole place clear of water and then to put a cap on it I passed it yesterday guess what they were watering the course <laughs> that's from Mike from the truck who obviously has a bird's eye view thanks for that uh, Mike have a lovely Easter and safe driving to you can I stay with good news stories it was one of those lovely stories that I picked up online it's the world's smallest baby he was born in Japan and he is he's just gone home he was born in October and he weighed about the same as an average size apple now I won't even try and pronounce his Japanese name but he was born by cesarean section after just 24 weeks and 5 days of pregnancy and, and because his mother was experiencing hypertension they decided the best thing was to do an emergency C-section. So he weighed in at 258 grams which is just over 9 ounces. Imagine a little baby just over 9 ounces and he was lighter than the previous record holder which coincidentally was also a little boy in Japan who weighed in 10 grams uh, heavier and had been born last year. Anyway, this little baby boy was born on the 1st of uh, October. He measured in at 22 centimetres. He obviously was then rushed to the neonatal intensive care unit. They had to use tubes to feed him. Sometimes they used to use cotton swabs to apply his mother's milk just to get a drop of his mother's milk into his mouth. And now, seven months later, he's grown 13 times in weight and he now weighs in at over 
three kgs and he's just been released and he has gone home. His mother said that when he was born he was so small she said it seemed as if he would break with a touch and she was so worried about him but he's now drinking milk they can give him a bath and she's happy to see him uh, growing and uh, he's uh, gone home which is fantastic and the smallest surviving girl was born in Germany in 2015 and actually she was even lighter than this little Japanese uh, boy and the survival rate for tiny babies is substantially lower for boys than for girls I did not know that that's an interesting stat but it's one of those lovely good news uh, stories and we hope he grows up to have a happy and a very healthy life now Tom was on to us this is a medical issue of sorts and he is looking for opinions of others please Tom went to the doctor this week he needed to get an injection in his knee. This is one of these pain relieving injections that normally you get you get a couple of months out of them, maybe three months out of them and I've heard of people who are suffering very badly with say need to get a knee replacement. I think you can get them if you're waiting on a hip operation as well. It's kind of a pain relieving injection. I think it's something, is it like a, an anaesthetic, kind of a slow release anaesthetic but it lasts for longer you know, it doesn't just last for the day that you get the injection. You get a couple of weeks, months out of it. Anyway, anyone who's ever had one of these injections will know what they're what we're talking about. I just don't know what they're called. I don't know if there's a particular medical term for them. Anyway, Tom went along because he needed to get one of these in his knee. But he was really taken aback because he was charged €100. Euro. Now, he says he had a similar injection a few years ago when he was suffering with a pain in his shoulder. And he said at that time he wasn't charged. 100 euro here. I'm assuming he's got a medical card. So he is wondering why suddenly they're charging for this. He did ask and the doctor at the GP practice said no, it's not covered by the HSC. So it obviously was at one stage the HSC was covering the costs for medical card patients. Tom says over the years he's had to pay for various medications but he says uh, um, the most he's had to pay was about 10 euro but he said 100 euro for this injection was a big jump and uh, especially if you weren't expecting it and he's just wondering how long has this been the practice and when does when did it come in and have others um, it's, I wonder when it's come in because if it's if it's only a new thing if it's only a new thing we'll probably hear about it a lot more as other people go but anyway we'll just see and then I'm also thinking it, it, it can hardly just be the practice that Tom is going to. I'm, I'm assuming that if the HSC saying, if they, the GP practice are telling Tom that they're no longer covering it, I'm assuming that's for every practice, every GP practice. So let's put it out there. Are others paying €100 euro to get pain relief injections either into a shoulder, a knee, an ankle, a hip, whatever it is? When did the HSE suddenly start charging €100 euro for it? And stay on a HSE issue. Hi, uh, Patricia. Don't want to name her. Don't this. That's okay. I'll be keeping. Well, I have a question for your show, please, if you get a chance. My query is in relation to unused, out-of-date medication and what you can do with it. I was doing a spring clean yesterday and I came across some insulin pens. I had gestational diabetes last year when I was pregnant with my baby. Thankfully, it resolved after birth and now all is good. However, I'd forgotten about the insulin pens that I that I had had to use during my pregnancy. I don't I don't didn't want to throw them in the bin for environmental reasons, so I rang the chemist where I was told where I told them and the girl said, "Yes, bring them along in here and we can dispose of them for you." So, I made a special journey to the chemist with 
these insulin pens when I arrived there. I was told, no, they don't take them and that I would have to go to my health centre. I said, hang on, I rang and somebody told me to bring them in. Anyway, long story short, they wouldn't take the insulin pens from me. So I had to bring them back home again. My question slash observation is that surely the chemist should take back for, should take back these pens for disposal as I would imagine in the fee being paid for medicine it must include a levy to dispose of unused ones. I was very annoyed with the chemist as I could have gone to the health centre and not wasted time in petrol on a wasted journey. Maybe your listeners could advise I still have the medicine and I want to dispose of it uh, properly. Now I know the HSC in uh, in collaboration with chemists every year run a campaign called Dump. It runs for about six weeks, October November time, I think it's the same time every year they do it, where they encourage people and we'll run ads and we'll talk about it. John Paul reckons we've done interviews on it in the past where we encourage people to clean out your medicine cupboard and if you have out of date medicines bring them because you're right you don't want to flush them down the toilet for all kinds of environmental reasons and particularly the fact that there's needles involved here you don't want to just put them in the bin so our listener here was doing the right thing and bringing them back to the chemist but when they do the dump campaign you're encouraged to go to the uh, chemist now I then assume outside of that campaign is it up to each individual chemist I saw for example Lloyd's chemist they take back unused or out-of-date medicine, but they do it all year round. But I don't know if it's just that chain of chemist shops. So it must be an individual one, but it's it was just unfortunate that you got wrong information and had to make an unnecessary journey and then to come home. And obviously the health centre wasn't close to where you were, so you've got to go back and make another trip. That was just unfortunate and that was kind of bad PR on behalf of the chemist is all I can say. But we'll put it out there to see what do other people do with unused medicines. And we're always told, you know, you should clear out your medicine cupboard at least once a year and check the date because things do go out of date. I mean, if you get unwell and you buy a cough bottle, for example, and you use it for a day or two and there might still be some left in it, it can go out of date very, very quickly. See, we should be all checking to see about out-of-date medication. But what do others do when they find out-of-date medication? Do many chemists voluntarily take it from you? Or do they only take it when they run this campaign with the HSC? Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. I'm excited to talk about the DVD because you went along to see Mary Poppins. But I firstly, do. you went to see the Lego movie. Here's a trailer. This house is about to get towed up. The world's greatest heroes. Oh, man. Will assemble. You almost forgot me, guys. I'm literally a lantern. How did you miss me? I got a big ball. That beat is pretty fresh. Turns out, glitter's my color. You gotta be kidding me. Don't be a grumpled dumpus. Bruce? Willis, yeah. I spent a lot of time in air ducts. I, I definitely don't live up here. Just scooch on by. Now, this is the Lego Movie 2, this, and they just call it the second part. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is clever. It's, uh, even the title, you know, yeah. makes you laugh because the writers of these things are very, very clever. But then they have to be because, let's face it, what can Legos do? Legos can't really do very, very much, but they do kind of CGI the mouths and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, the, and the, it is really little Lego figures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, but so it's all down to the writers and uh, the writers, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, you know, who have written and directed uh, all of the Lego movies so far. These guys are very, very clever. Although they were meant to make the Han Solo film, but they got fired. 
um, because of creative differences. So, okay. uh, and actually, the, the the solo film didn't turn out that well. So maybe you know they're sitting in the background in the going, room, so we're going, ah, ah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, since uh, between these two Lego movies, there's been uh, the Lego Batman movie, which was really, really funny. I mean, I really, really liked it. You know, I love the way they portrayed Batman and that as just being this man full of, uh, you know, lacking completely in self confidence, really, and is alone at home, you know, watching Oprah on the television. I mean, yeah. I loved all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, it was all down to the script and how funny the script was. There was also a Lego Ninjago movie, which I haven't seen. I, I didn't. It didn't seem to appeal to me because I know nothing about that whole kind of uh, anime scene anyway. I knew nothing about the, the character. I, I, and I know, I've seen none of the Lego movies, but I know exactly what you're talking about by the uh, box loads of Lego you can buy. Yeah that came out after the movie. Yeah, and I know nothing about all that kind of stuff, yeah. uh, to be honest. And uh, so I haven't seen that one. So what I've seen so far, though, I've really, really enjoyed. And so this one is kind of set kind of five years on. And now the citizens of Bricksburg are facing a threat Bricksburg. from the the Lego Duplo invaders. They're coming from outer space. They've got to be bigger because Duplo is bigger. They're exactly. Oh. See, you know your Lego. I don't. I, I, play, I just remember I grew up as a little boy a long, long time ago. Yeah. And the, the Lego sets that we had were very small. Yeah, very basic. And, now. Yeah, uh, oh, you now could, they're huge, exactly. Yeah. So I know nothing about all that kind of stuff. All I know is, look, Lego, we all love Lego until we step but on But see, one. children would instantly know the Duplo bricks are going to be bigger than the little Lego. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> the thing is, is that they fire these little, other little kind of bricks which kind of have this kind of lovely kind of cheery... But then they explode. <laughs> it's really funny. And they just kind of so so Bricksburg is being kind of tore apart by these Lego Duplo invaders who've been sent by their queen to kidnap Batman. So they do, and they bring it back to their world because she wants to marry him. <laughs> as, as he says, Will Arnett, who's got that voice, that very deep yeah. voice, he says, Look, baby, you know, I'm a single man, always will be I'm a bat. Jiller, you know, because he's Batman. And he says to her, like, sorry, I'm not getting married to you. And then she kind of works his kind of his ego and says, well, I didn't really want to marry you anyway. I just wanted to make somebody else jealous. And he's like, what? Why, what? Why don't you want to marry me? You must marry me now. You know, all that kind of stuff. So it's really, really clever. So Emmett, the, the main character, uh, played by Chris Pratt, decides that uh, he will go on his spaceship to the other planet to rescue Batman. Whilst he's there, he bumps into his kind of uh, alter ego, Rex Dangerfest, which is also <laughs> which is also uh, voiced by um, Chris Pratt. And who's it? He turns out to be like his alter ego, who's like a kind of a future version, but a much more macho version of Emmett. And as Emmett says to him, look, you're not really that more macho than me. You just got better hair. And somebody's taken a marker and drawn on a beard you know yeah, yeah. so it, it, it it's so very self-reverential it knows exactly what it's trying to do and it's it's really really funny but it appeals to both the children and the adults that's the thing and that's yeah, the really that's the really key. important thing they don't patronise the kids with any of the jokes there's lots of movie references as well from 80s movies references like Back to the Future and Indiana Jones references to Lord of the Rings there's so many movie references for movie buffs like me I just love all that kind of stuff yeah. and there's also a lot of kind of DC comic stuff you know because Wonder Woman makes an appearance uh, Aquaman makes an appearance as well and there's only one thing I'm not sure about and that is whatever you're seeing on screen is happening because it's happening in the human world so this is, this, the story is this little boy and girl and the little boy is getting a little bit older and doesn't want to play with the little girl and so therefore there's a kind of a battle between them as to what to do with their Lego and so if um, for example our heroes uh, the Lego people if they're involved in say a scene and they fall into a crypt or a, you know, a cave in reality it's the kids putting them into a bag and I think what by that it takes out of the story that we're watching so therefore kids will then realise that these Lego uh, characters aren't real they actually are toys and they yeah. belong to this little boy and girl and, I, and that's that's a side thing it's very cleverly done it's really 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 clever 
but I just wish they wouldn't do that. I think the films as standalone Lego character kind of they don't need to films, do that. They don't need to do that, no, and that's the that's no. my only thing I didn't like about it. Okay. Uh, other than that, I thought you it was very funny. Mark yes. it out of ten. I give it eight. Eight out of ten. Now, finally, out on DVD and streaming, Mary Poppins returns. Yeah. Emily Blunt, and this was much anticipated because I remember when they released it in January. It was. I'm sure you sent me a link. It was around October or November. Mm-hmm. You sent me on a link when they were like teasing people. Yeah. And it just looked incredible. I think if I say, if I remember what I said maybe they're not going to cock it up after all. Yeah, you course, did. Yeah, you were, you, were, you were worried. You were worried. I was terribly worried because it's a uh, you know I've, I've kind of hinted at this before. It's a very important film to me because it was the first film I ever saw in the cinema. Yeah. As a little boy, we were on holiday in Yall. We went to the Yall cinema. I was what five, six, and I didn't particularly want to go. But when I came out, my mother said to me, "Well." And I just thought it was just fabulous. I just thought, oh, it's just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So it's a very important film to me. I, I loved showing it to the teenager who's now a teenager as a little girl. And she loved it as well. We grew up with this love of Judy Andrews and Dick Van Dyke and, and this film. So when I heard they were going to do a remake, I was, I was upset. You know, because Disney are doing this. They're remaking a lot of their old material. It turns out it's not a remake. In fact, it's a sequel. And the film, okay. the film is set kind of 25 years on. And so the Banks children now are grown-ups. Uh, the Banks... Uh, uh, with children of their own? With, with, well, not Emily Blunt for some reason. Why Emily Blunt is single in her late 30s, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but she lives down the road from her brother, uh, yeah. uh, Michael. Now, Michael has been married, but he's now a widower because, as we know... Disney love to kill parents. And uh, so he's a widower. He's got these three kids who are a bit kind of rough and ready because his wife has passed away and she's, she was basically the head of the household. He was an artist. And so therefore, you know, it's, it's just utter chaos. And, um, and it turns out that uh, he gets a, a, um, a part-time job in the bank that his uh, father used to uh, work in. Work in. Yeah. And um, it, that's head up now by the, the dastardly Colin Firth who owns the bank. Now, he wants to take the house away from uh, the young banks uh, because um, they're not meeting with their payments. And then it discovers that... Um, Michael Banks' father did have shares in the bank, but they need to find the evidence of that, and they can't find it. And so they're searching the house, and if they can find the evidence, the fact that uh, his father did buy shares, uh, then they might be able to survive. Then who arrives... Emily Only. Blunt as, as Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. And she sees it as her duty to turn this grey, grey London into a world of, of just, you know... Mary Poppins. Uh, of Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To bring joy and colour into the lives. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Exactly. She says to one does of the kids... Does she mention that? She, no, no, of course no. not. At one stage, she does say to one of the kids, I'm here to save the bank's children. And the little girl goes, what, you mean us? And she said, yes, you too. So basically, she's there oh. to save not only the parents, but also but the, the kids of the parents yeah. as well. The thing is that I, I hope that they would have done something more original. This is my only thing that I wasn't sure about it because, you know, uh, there were so many Mary Poppins books out there. So there is a lot of material out there that they could have used. But instead, what they've basically done here is done... It must be said, a mirror image of the first film. And and I thought that was kind of a bit of a shame. So if you look at it, you know, that there's the bit with the penguins. Uh, there's the bit, that, you know, uh, the, they're lamplighters as opposed to um, chimney sweeps in there. So there's the step in time bit, you know, there's the uh, supercalifragilistic bit, you know. Yeah. And, um, but it still works. I mean, I did get quite emotional watching it because it did bring me back to when I was. Well, I suppose it's a bit like why Fix It isn't broken. You know, the original model works so well, but yeah. you've got to do it well. It's obviously made by people who love the original movie. Yeah. And Rob Marshall is a brilliant director of musicals. He's made uh, Into the Woods. He's made Chicago as well. And and he he has to be given credit for this. And the songs, there were some criticisms of some of the songs that they weren't very good. I thought the songs were lovely. And I okay. think they're as good as anything we've ever seen. You well, know, Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and the orchestration by Mark Saban is just lovely. And there's some beautiful, beautiful songs in it. You know, it opens with this lovely song called Underneath the Lovely London Sky, um, which is sung by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it's a beautiful opening. 
opening to the to the film. And then you've got songs like, uh, you know, Triple Light Fantastic, another song which is as good as anything we've ever seen, uh, you know, uh, in the past. And just one one song is a bit of a dud, and that's the Meryl Streep song. She does she plays this kind of topsy turvy character, and she lives in this kind of up to, up uh, you know upside down world, and it's too wordy. And She's sometimes cousin you Topsy. But look, all in all, I have to say that I thought it was fabulous. I enjoyed it very very much indeed. It was way better. It should have been terrible, but it isn't in any way, shape, or form. It's ridiculous comparing it to the original. I think that would be uh, unfair. Yeah, as a, as, as a movie is, on its own, it's as really a movie good. on its own, and 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 Emily Blunt pulls off Mary Poppins. She can sing, she, yeah, yeah. she can dance, you know, and she, she just can looks act, the obviously. Part. She has an odd clipped accent, actually, which is not yeah. like Julie Andrews, you know. Yeah, I mean? yeah. Julie decided not to be in the film. She was to play the balloon lady, yeah. but decided not no, to because yeah. she didn't want to undermine um, uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. But Dick Van Dyke, at the age of 93, dances on a table. Oh, And wow. it's extraordinary. It's not CGI, wow. and it's extraordinary. Wow, OK. So Mark, Mary Poppins out of 10. There were problems with it, but I'm giving it a 10. I don't Whoa, care. Whoa, well yeah. done, well done. And definitely one with the children on Easter Easter break. If you haven't taken them to the cinema, uh, rent it out our uh, streamers. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, have a lovely Easter, and we'll chat again uh, next week. That's Mark Malone, our movie review. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Not going to be with you next week taking a bit of a break over Easter because I wish each and every one of you a very happy and a peaceful Christmas until next we speak I'm Patricia Messenger very good afternoon Court Today on C103 with Walker Hearing Clinic in the consultant's private clinic at CUH hearing care and wax removal see walkerhearingclinic.ie C103 Anthems Three anthems. Man, I feel like a woman. The biggest songs of all time. C103 anthems. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around. Songs that continue to inspire generations. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103.